Oh, yes. Episode 19. That's right. Keeping it real with Chuck Lee and the big fella. And uh, we have got a very, very special guest lined up tonight. Poor old Melbourne. They're doing it tough at the moment. They're in lockdown. And lockdown is going to continue. And it hasn't been really good uh, so far for this man. We love him, though. He comes all the way from Mount Eliza each and every week. Well, it's a big show. Oh. Chuck Berry, how are you, mate? Big show. He's getting bigger each week in isolation, <laughs> and Dan didn't do me any favours, did he? Yesterday, putting us away again for another few weeks. It's, I mean, we sh- we sort of joke on this show, but it's not a joke at all, mate. It's causing mm. a lot of, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of, um, you know, anxious moments. It's very serious, and for, forget the health ramifications. I'm talking the other side of things. Sports on hold again. My local cricket club, we can't start training. There's only about one sport in the whole world that's going on at the moment, and that's bloody horse racing. So Don't we love I it. hope you've got somebody tonight teed up that's got something to do with horse racing because it's the only sport we can actually observe at the moment. And I just want to start by saying one of my good mates is one of the owners of Humidor, so I had 20 bucks each way on Humidor on the oh, weekend. And out. I tell you what, big fella, <laughs> I was cracking the whip on the couch on Saturday <laughs> afternoon when Mickey Johnson's not only Junipel, but then Humidor come home. <laughs> I'm up and about tonight. You are up and about tonight, mate. And uh, on the flip side, I know uh, three or four blokes that, uh, well, they jumped out. They just thought the horse had done enough. And uh, they said, no, we, we don't think we uh, we need well, to have Humidor anymore. So you in, think... In fairness, big fella, I mean, Humidor is actually older than our co-host that you're about to introduce. <laughs> Let's get him on the phone. <laughs> Yes, Timmy Ludeman, good evening and welcome, big fella. How are you? Good, thanks, big fella. How about next week when the regional Victorian uh, restrictions lift, we catch up for a beer, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. you're pretty funny stuff, you folks. That's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Right. I'm actually on with you, though, Ludy. We are getting dragged down by our uh, Melbourne counterparts at the moment. Like, we haven't had a case here for weeks in Warrnambool, and uh, we're flying, to be honest, And uh, but we've still got to just continue in this same kind of lockdown. It's shattering. Uh, from Chuck over there in Frank Ganifan, it's um, it's not good. <laughs> it is not good. Hey, listen, I said at the top of the show we've got a very special guest. This bloke, he is an absolute superstar. And and to be honest, in his own right in the sporting arena, I'm just going to play this little ditty for you, and it might give a little bit of a clue. A rich old man. We got Matthew Richardson. Actually, do you know what? I nearly grabbed a bit of Matty Richardson off the uh, the YouTube earlier, but I didn't. But this man is—he's better than Richo, uh, Matty Richardson. It is Jason Richardson, of course, from Racing dot com Channel Seven oh. and uh, nineteen ninety three stall gift winner. Before we go to the audio, I want to say a very good evening. How are you, Richo? Uh what? A bloody pleasure. I've finally done it. I can't believe you had 19 episodes, so there's 18 people you've rated better than me. <laughs> I want to know who the bloody hell those flogs are. Let's go well, through Give it to him. Give him <laughs> the list. Well, give d- him the list, big fella. He'll what understand. Shame Warren. Okay. I'll, I'll take... I'll, I'll accept that. Jonathan Brown. 
Yeah, I'll take that too. Yep. Paddy, sure. Paddy Dangerfield. Okay, sure. Yeah, no. Nathan. How did I get a gig on this? Show? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we love you, mate. This is why you got a gig. Now, listen, this is going to take you down memory lane, and uh, I'm sure that you watch this probably a couple of times a week at home with the kids and stuff. But uh, let's have a oh. listen to this. They're set, ready to go for the 1993 Hard Health Store gift. They settle down now. Bianco Come sitting on, up Kappa a little Bianco. bit in the blocks. Kappa Bianco. Bianco. Chapman has them. This is the big on, one. Kappa. The one we've come for. Set! And away they go. Papa Bianco away well. Bill quickly in the stride with Ferber. Richardson then coming Martin McDool. He's a great go. The yellow's in front. It's Richardson hoeing away. Coming at him again. McDowell. Richardson in front. Richardson beat McDowell. And third aim then would have been Josh Cool. Uh, and the Dean Kappa Bianco who couldn't do it from Tony Martin. Well, Jason Richardson has won the store gift in an emphatic fashion. A great training effort by Graham Goldsworthy. That's his first store gift winner. Oh, you know, Richo, how does that feel to go down memory lane, Ooh. mate? Oh, we, hey, listen, a little bit like most people remember where they were when man walked on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit like everyone remembers where they were when Cathy Freeman uh, came to the heart of the nation. I'm sure... You all remember those 57 steps that liberated the nation? He's <laughs> <laughs> counted every step. I love it. Hey, do you know what I really enjoyed when I was watching that footage on YouTube? Was the locks, mate. The hair was looking oh, yeah. magnificent. Absolutely superb. Uh, long, long time ago. Seriously, <laughs> thanks for having me on your beautiful show. I've heard some great things about it. Um, I've known Chuck for a bloody long time. Maddie, you're a ripper, and Tim is one of the bloody great personalities in cricket. We wish that his uh, career was just starting as opposed to uh, coming towards an end. <laughs> and get stuffed about bloody all the nonsense you're talking about, about coronavirus. Hey, Maddie, you've got Colax about four minutes away from the <laughs> red. He's riddled with the joint. Yeah, correct, we correct, very choked. We've always kind of had a gate up around Warrnambool. Uh, Colac oh, and Portland course. aren't allowed in uh, our neck of the woods, Richo. Now, you just mentioned you and Chuck go back a long way. Tell us about this, boys, because uh, when I kind of sent the message through today, Chuck goes, me and Richo go back years. Yeah, <laughs> well, we did a lot of radio together back at uh, SEN back in the back in the day, straight after Chuck retired. But I, I actually remember him even earlier than that because uh, my uh, one of my early professional roles was I was uh, marketing director for Asia Pacific for Oakley Sunglasses, yes. and uh, so therefore what I did is went through all of the great Australian cricketers and provided them with Oakley sunglasses. Wow. And those that were yeah. pretty average, I gave them a, uh, the phone number for Bolle and Chuck was a Bolle man. <laughs> <laughs> the good part about that story, boys, is it's 100% true. And, uh, <laughs> even better than that, I actually told the boys before we come on air, Richo, I said, uh, I told him that you were the Oakley man and you looked after Shane Warne and uh, unf and uh, unfortunately I just went up the road to Bollet where the sort of third yeah. and fourth stringers went. But uh, <laughs> that's how we did cross paths and I reckon you might have you might have just snuck me one pair out uh, quietly. But let's start. Well, there. actually, even uh, to the point, Chuck, I, when I was giving them to Warney because he used to say to me. Uh, <laughs> Well, even before Warney, what about the champ, Dean Jones? Because he, he, he firmly it. believes that he started Oakley in, in Australia. He said, <laughs> he's not, I started it in the whole world. Because he, 
he was the first cricketer to wear sunglasses and he was having, Chuck would probably remember this story, I reckon he was having a bit of a run of outs with the bat and he was playing in the whacker and he put on sunnies. He, once again, he missed out again. And he put on sunnies and he went out to field and he took a blinder in third slipper in gully with the glasses on. And as we can imagine with uh, Dino, a little bit of gas went into the chest <laughs> and he got up and about and then started to score some runs and never got the glass sunglasses off. So he used to ring me all the time and say, Richo, the champ here, um, I need to champ. order 30 pairs and I've got a lifetime <laughs> agreement and they're all to be free. And... After him came SK Warren, who literally did launch the brand. And uh, if Warney said to me, mate, we need 80 pairs of glasses, I'd say, mate, you sure they don't need 85? And I used to just throw, I go, here's a little one extra, and I know where it's going. It's to the stumpy little keeper behind. So I knew that there was always a special. Exactly right. The best stories are the true stories. So you've spoken about a couple of the great wankers there of all time, Richo. Uh, oh, absolutely. In your time, uh, let's be honest, I mean, you would have dealt with some pretty big egos, none bigger than those two. Uh, one of them a very good friend of mine, by the way. Uh, but who was the biggest wanker you had to deal with uh, in your time handing out the sunnies at Oakley? Um, I reckon, oh, no, I, you know what? Everyone was fantastic. <laughs> you know what? I'm a, Come on, Richo. Hang on, wait, wait. I'm a sports fan. So I'm the biggest fan going around. And hopefully when people watch me broadcast various sports, I look like I'm enthusiastic. It's because I bloody am. I absolutely love the sport and and I really admire everyone who, who plays at the elite level. So actually everyone was great except for the biggest wanker I met and a guy yeah. I had to have dinner with back when he, this will stagger you, <laughs> back when he was coming back from cancer and I went over to Austin in Texas and I had oh, dinner no. with him in a dinner party with four oh, people not and Lance. he did not say a word to me because... I was such of a low level that he wasn't going to lower himself to talk to a flog like me, was Lance Arms. Wow, fair income. Oh. What, just no time at all for you? Mate, we honestly had dinner for four. There was the Oakley America, Oakley Island, who used to be a cyclist, and Oakley Australia, and Lance. Keep in mind, he's won no Tour de France at this stage. Yeah, he still gave, gave mate, me nothing. I was giving him some of my best lines too, man. <laughs> and, mate, didn't, didn't you say, listen, listen, Lance, off 7.5, uh, 11.94, the Easter fucking classic at stall. Surely he must have been all over the stall gift. Well, I did say to him, Lance, you can do whatever you... He'd won a world title at that stage, but hadn't won his first uh, um, uh Tour de France, and I said to him, mate, you can achieve a lot in life, but until you've handled the pressure of all of your mates having 20,000 on you and you're running down the road, you're, try, you're trying like to this. earn 150,000 for all your mates and you've been back for weeks and the pressure's on and you've got a Dean Capabianco charge and that, you've got to go past some dirty people Martin Dow. You've done nothing, Lance. Oh, Tiffany oh, would have good. been sitting at the table thinking... This bike's won a stall gift and he'd done it clean? How's that? <laughs> he didn't blood dope or he did. How's that happened? Oh, well, hang on. I didn't say I did it clean. <laughs> you just mentioned, you mentioned your mates. Uh, amazing footage after the race. I reckon there uh, they would have been oh. about 20 of them just clambering from every which way. What price oh. were you that day, Richo? 
Well, uh, Matty, you would appreciate this. It was a slight market move. I was, <laughs> well, on the Friday night, the night before the heats, because once you get your handicap in the store gift, then you're locked in for that weekend. And I was basically brand new to running. So I was given uh, what's called the novice mark. So the mark that for anyone who's not proven either positive or negative, they just set you there at the at the seven and a half and then what they watch you run a few times. If you're terrible, they move you out towards 10. 10 is the most you can go. If you're showing ability, they might move you a little bit further back. So my coach, mm. uh, I was given the seven and a half and my coach said, you know, we don't need to run, mate. That's enough. <laughs> um, so I just did a lot of tra- I did a lot of training and a lot of racing with my teammates, and they put thirty to one up on the Friday night. Is thirty to one into ten to one on a bit of a go? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's when you can have a real crack too. The bookies were up there everywhere, weren't they? It's stall. It was a huge part of the event, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I mean it was. To my, I was right on the tail end of it, so you couldn't get as much on as you know. And yes, like in the golden era, you know, Bill Howard who won back-to-back store gifts, the first man to win two store gifts. Um, yeah, they gave him. I think they gave him six and a half the first year, and he ran eleven nine. Then they go, mate, we'll give you three and a half the next year. He goes, no, I was run eleven six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he had, mate, he won. And enough money on the punt that he was able to buy farms. Unreal. So, I mean, very different by the time it came through in the early 90s, mate. There, you know, you could get a bit out of the bookies. Nowadays, you unfortunately can't really uh, organise anything. There's only two or three bookies left there. I think when I won it, there was probably 10. But back in the old Bill Howard days in the 60s, there was 30 bookies. It was like the, wow. it was like the betting ring at Flemington. <laughs> I'm tipping it would have been a big night that night, mate. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think I got a. I don't think I slept, and I did. I, someone did say I did enjoy it like no other store gift winner. Yeah, a lot of people. And Chuck, this is right in Chuck's wheelhouse. As soon as you know, guy wins the store gift, they all say, "Mate, I'm gonna. Yeah, you know, I'm on serious pills now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, you know, beat Carl Lewis in the hundred meters at the Olympic Games." I said. Mate, I'd love to do that, but by gee, am I going to get polex with all my mates? We're going to have a great time here for a while. <laughs> Just while you're on that, I've done a little bit of research today with a couple of sort of friends of ours, and you'll probably gather oh. where I might have got my research from. <laughs> um, and you sort of said that you had great ambitions, but a close friend of yours and mine did say, ask him about the time that he ran third to Michael Johnson in the States. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Come on. Well, it is a very, very long story, but it's bloody well worth it, I can assure you that. No, I was actually... <laughs> 400 <laughs> metres? Was that a little bit too long for you, 400? Oh, that's right. It was a hunt, It was far too... I've got the great pleasure of running against um, Linford Christie, Olympic champion, Carl Lewis, Olympic legend, Ben Johnson, fastest man ever before he cheated, um, Michael Johnson... Mm-hmm. The, the freak show, and every one of them um, have something very similar, very in common, and that is that I only saw their backsides. I never got <laughs> anywhere near the front of them. They absolutely thrashed me. But we're talking about um, Prefontaine in Eugene, Oregon, is the only um, American IAAF, which is the International Diamond League meet. It's in Eugene in Oregon. It's a major yep. Nike event. I was the training partner of Kathy Freeman at the time, so... Kath had to compete there, part of her Nike contract. She said, I'll come along um, to the meet anyway. Um, so we were at the meet hotel 
the night before, and I was a 100, 200 meters average. Let's be honest, I was average 100, 200 meter runner, um, and I'd run five 400 meters in my life. And uh, Quincy <laughs> Watts, the 1992 Olympic champion, has he's uh, come down a little ill, and uh, the need organisers. <laughs> I believe you've got some Australian uh, sprinters with you. She goes, yeah, yeah, I do. One of them went to the Olympic Games in 96, Cam McKenzie. He's now started a magnificent gin company called Four Pillars. He's a great mate of mine, outstanding bike. He just pinged his hamstring. He goes, I can't run. The other guy had been in the Commonwealth Games uh, in 94, 400-metre runner, Mark Maracy. He'd hurt his groin. I can't run. And I go, what about him? I go, well, I've won a stall gift and won the Box Hill Inter Club. Um, I'll have a crack. <laughs> <laughs>
I'll never forget the reaction of because Eugene Oregon is a real track and field. They live and breathe track and field, mate. So straight away they're already concerned that I'm there in my Adidas, and I've gone the singlet and the shorts, but not the lycra, <laughs> which is a setback. They because, all would have been wearing the suits and everything, wouldn't they, back then? Like, well, oh. every, I mean, I normally wear a suit, but then I thought, I reckon I'm going to wear the suit against the brothers, you know? So I didn't go the suit. <laughs> and they had, they had, they had there, was a two, there was twin brothers called Alvin. This is 100% true. Twin brothers, they're part of the American 4x4 team that won the gold medal in 1996. Go back through your research. There's twin brothers, Alvin Harrison, and his twin brother, Calvin Harris. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent true. Six foot four, magnificent looking men. They have put sunglasses on, but with no arms on the sides. They've just used suction cups and fucked them. <laughs> <laughs> So you can imagine by the time we get to all this is going on, all the introductions are massive. Get to lane one, and I can remember I've got the navy Adidas shorts and the matching white Adidas. That was a mistake in hindsight, mate. I am in the shape of my life. I am ripped to shreds, and I look horrendous next to (laughs) these. And the track and field fans, when they said, in lane one, winner of a stay well gift. Stay well. The stay well gift. It's just disappointing in itself. Yeah. Winner of a Bucks Hill Interclub with a personal best. 47.79. The crowd sort of went, ooh. Mm. <laughs> 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 MJ, MJ didn't sort of glance to the left, did he, and say, what on earth have we got here? Well, that's interesting, because when you're doing the introduction, then you sort of roll out of the box and just sort of zip around the bin and have a little... You, know, you notice that you jump up and down a lot, jump up, sort of command the, sort of, command the camera a little bit and sort of see if you can get a real look at me sort of time, because you're a sprinter. The worst thing that you could ever say to a sprinter is that they are that skinny. Because our theory in, in athletics is you run the 100 metres, the ones who are good run the 100 metres, the ones that fail, they run the 200 metres. And the guys that fail at that, they run the 400 metres. And the guys that fail at that, they run the 800. Until you're the biggest loser going around if you've got to run 42K before you can beat anyone. They're the marathon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I used that as an introduction when I was hosting a fit event when I introduced Steve Modigetti. He didn't see the fun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just rolled out of the box. And Maddie, you know, you know when you're on. I was on. You just sense. Like, you know, a bit like Warnie. Warnie knew when he was getting in those hatches. He knew he was in the zone. He would have told those stories. That's me. Picture Warnie of 400 metre running. That's Michael Johnson. Now then me. So I've rolled out. I'm feeling good. And I've sort of, you get really nervous. I've got a dry throat. So I've just unleashed with a, 
a little bit of the Bushman's blow, or just a little saliva's just made my way out of the mouth. It's gone awfully close to Michael. And I sort of looked at him as very sort of apologetic to him. Oh, geez, that, that saliva got a little close to the great one, MJ. He looked at me. I'll never forget it. He said, hey, white boy, which was such a pleasant thing to say to me. The marathon's on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say let's just say by the time that i eventually finished the race you know like in distance running like eric the eel cop where you get polite claps (laughs) yeah i got polite claps and I think oh, it was either that or the fact that MJ was cooling down in his tracksuit before, <laughs> before I finished. So what did you right. run? What time did you I run? Don't, a don't, get bo- don't get bogged down with that sort of stuff. <laughs> All I'll say to you is I was beaten by 40 metres. Was that the bloke in lane eight? <laughs> I didn't see him again. <laughs> oh, that is gold, Ludi. What do you oh. got for us, mate? That's Rich, I'm exhausted after that one. <laughs> Rich, I'm not sure if you understand the connection here, but the big fella. I introduced him to Chuck throughout the the Warnable May Racing Carnival. Um, oh. I myself grew up in Warnable. Um, Chuck, a few, few end-of-season trips, we got down there and had a few beers and, and introduced him to the big fella. That's how this podcast all come about. Oh, that's but right. I just wanted to uh, to take you to Warnable and racing now. And, and favourite moments, the grand annual, anything that stands out, any good stories or yarns from, from that great carnival? Mate, you know what I love most about um, the Warnable Carnival? And this is hand on heart. I've been lucky enough through Seven and through other opportunities to go to Royal Ascot and go to these, some great race meetings around the world. The thing that I love about Warnable, and it's such an intangible, it's such a, it's such a unique event that I'm sure that there's lots of other sporting events and I'm trying to help the store gift at the moment, trying to re- rejuvenate the store gift. And the Warnable races is one that came to mind. is like, what's the DNA of the event? Yep. Seems like the DNA of the event is a whole lot of like-minded people who love racing and love sport love to have a drink and not not to any excess anyone who's who's listening it's not all about you know like treating it like a schoolies trip it's just having a few drinks with your mates how quintessential aussie that is um and then after the races go back and find somewhere to eat have some dinner then go to the pub and have a few beers at the whalers and and catch up with racing people talking about racing but not just racing people sports people reflecting on how'd you go today on the punt oh, i couldn't find that and maddie maddie stewart steered me into the bloody locals and they got stuffed <laughs> in and made like yeah maddie what a shocker he was or some of the people who actually sat at home and watched it and saw maddie jump in the spa bath with the jockeys is one of the worst things <laughs> oh. i've ever seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they rehashed that this year. Too. Oh, no, I was spewing. It's part of my contract. I've said to them, mate, if I'm hosting this thing, that needs to get a run every year. It's written in the <laughs> <and> Richard, <laughs> <my disclaimers. laughs> 
Richo, that's just I'm listening. The story you told about a white boy, the uh, the marathons yeah. on Tuesday. Well, yeah. it was sort of the sort of the opposite type of style, wasn't it? When the big fella jumped in the uh, in oh, the pool my. with the jockeys. Oh my god! And then the, and the bloody level of the water lifted. I thought it was Gail Mulhall that jumped in. Oh. I reckon it was <laughs> shot <laughs> with champion. Oh, He's poor showing old... your bloody age there, Gail Mulhall. It is a unique carnival, though, isn't it? It's a wonderful little oh, thing. Mate, it is great. You know, and the other thing about, I mean. You know, I don't know she gets a she gets a bit of a knock for those that are the mad punters and all that. But mate, Gay Waterhouse goes to Warrnambool because she loves it. Yeah. And we haven't had Chris Waller there, but Gay Waterhouse goes there. Peter Moody, you know, Peter Moody and Scott Seymour combined for five wins in a carnival trainer and jockey. That's the record at a Warrnambool carnival for any trainer and jockey. Five winners, and it's Peter Moody. Yeah, people will be going. Hang on, what? Peter Moody. Absolutely. So the fact that Gay wants to go down there just shows you how unique this event is. It combines, you know, you want to get a tough, wet tracker to win on the flat. The jumps races are so important. You know, we know that they're not the best horses. We know that it's, you know, Black Caviar is not running around, but that doesn't matter. Gives the um, some of the jockeys that don't normally get some uh, some time in the sun, they get a great a lot of exposure. And then that night, trainers and the jockeys all get to go out and if you're a mad racing fan it's the only time you ever get to see them even during melbourne cup week jockeys are all at crown in flash places so that the you know the the, the layman the mad punter he doesn't get a chance to rub shoulders with uh damien oh, oliver any other time of the year show. except for warnable Blokes taking speckies on Darren Weir's head at 3am at the Whalers. So drink, drink beer and get on Weir. And, uh, mate, the, the fabric oh. of it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a racing man. I've said that before. But these guys got me down there. Just to go into the Galleywood bar and you look around, there's Val Perovic. You look to your yeah. left and there's Stephen Kernahan and Bear Gleeson. And Bear, you look oh, over them. It. They just... It was. It's just the fabric of it. I reckon that. I mean, I loved it because I'm a country boy, and I love going down there with the South Australian boys and getting down to Whalers and getting denied entry and stuff like that. It was a wonderful oh, experience. I was going to ask Richo, yeah. has that ever happened to you? Because uh, Chuck had a oh, really low point, a low moment in his uh, in Very his life, in his point. career when he, uh, he he wasn't allowed into the Whalers, and I think he even marched up to the security guard and give him the old "Don't you know who I am?" call. That was when he was coaching <laughs> uh, the South Australian <laughs> cricket boys, and the bouncer just looked straight back and said, "Mate, I've got no idea who you are." <laughs> Uh, the answer, Matty, no, it's never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Righto, now, this is good because you're hanging shit on me. It's time to turn it back on our guest because uh, oh, sorry, yeah. we, asked bef- we asked before about sort of the real wankers at uh, Oakley. Yeah. Uh, to the big fella and Tim Ludeman, I mean, winning the stall gift, you know, it's probably not the biggest uh, paycheck of all time, but for a young boy from Caulfield, it was a a great moment, and, and it is part of Australian sporting history. But a good source tells me that sort of real, real wanker stuff. Could you imagine, <laughs> could you imagine this big fella getting a necklace oh. made 
with the oh, bullet that was shot out of the friggin' gun to start the race. <laughs> oh, no. And wear it around your neck for the rest of your life. I mean, come on, man. Famous for running fast once. <laughs> is that true, Richo? That is a... Now, listen. That is 100%. This is, this is where it's even better. So where he's got that from is a flog who I've known since he was 16 years of age. In fact... I knew him before he had enough money to get a rat to chew that thing off his chin. And uh, yep. James Brayshaw was his name. <laughs> and he's the godfather for my sister's kids. My uh, brother-in-law, Dennis Hickey, was right arm over the Wicked Express playing for Victoria in Chuck sort of era. Great, Very much so. Brayshaw. Scary. Uh, scary. He had no, no idea where the ball was going, so let alone uh, what, what hope did the batsman have. And... And Dennis Hickey and James Brayshaw conjured that story up. <laughs> and Brayshaw and Gary Lyon, who have their great mates of mine, have gone on radio. And they think it's the funniest thing ever. How you dipped into that, Chuck? I thought you were smarter than that. You've just, just <laughs> lobbed in beautifully to that. So there is no truth to but that at all. Are you telling me there's no truth in the room that you've got a necklace made of the bullet that was shot to start the race? <laughs> They're cap guns! <laughs> I know. How the hell did I... How the hell did I capture the bullet? <laughs> I know I'm, well, I'm, you, I'm not that quick. If, that, if that's not true, I'm going to have to go back to Daniel Harford and have a bloody stern word with him. <laughs> how did I capture? This is the question. How did I? How was I quick enough to capture the bullet yet to still catch those slogs and win? <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. If they've made that up and got away with it and dropped it a couple of times on air. That is oh, unbelievable. Really, really. Now, half, half runs of it all. What a champ he's uh, <laughs> Oh, big. Oh, Harvey in his massive big shorts. He's another guy. He been on, hang on. Tell me. Has he been on this podcast? No, he hasn't. Uh, and, yeah. and that's good. That's good fodder for you because he's been sort of knocking on the door a little bit. Uh, mm. And when I got a bit of info today, he said, you're having Richo on before you're having me on. I said, that's correct. He, he was yeah. not that impressed. He was not that impressed. <laughs> Do you know, actually, uh, 1994, I think I've told you this story, Chuck and Ludy, but I tagged Daniel Harford. I was playing for the Falcons. Oh, mate, you've told us nine times. And he I haven't, to- and I haven't told on it on this podcast. But <laughs> you've told it three times on here. I have not, Ludy. Back me up here. I have you've not- definitely told it already. I'm not going there again then, Richo. Okay? I'm not going to tell the story again. Mate, <laughs> next, next thing we're going to hear Richo about his sob story, our Geelong Falcons gave him the ass because he, he got the shits on the boundary line because he got dragged. Anyway, you say that you're tagging half, I tell you what, mate, if you were going to tell me that you couldn't run with him, no, then I knew there was going to be some mate, big trouble. He was a freak when he was 18. I'm not, like, he was... He was a hot mate, prospect. He was a man child, mate. It doesn't count. He had a beard at 13. <laughs> Do you know? He used to wear, you know, like Jimmy Steins when he brought out those big, like, thigh guards you know, yeah. like in the bike pants. He used to wear them, too. Like, and, and he, Yeah, but he, he, had, he had the bloody guards inside because his thighs were that fat. They used to rub together and chafe the hell out of the well, poor little fat. Halfway head. through the last quarter when he'd had about 33 possessions on me and kicked about four goals, I was even trying to, <laughs> I was trying to neem and drop everything into him I could. <laughs> And it didn't work, but they he could play, mate. Harford was a good player, underrated player. Mate, he was picked, in all seriousness, and I love him like a brother, he was actually, he was picked in the top ten. Oh, yeah, no, he, he was, was a star. At, 
he was an absolute gun, and he played. It mean, he had a he had a terrific career. In what he played 160 games, but he was actually, you know what? He was one of those guys who was. If he had been, I oh know you, you say this a lot, but if he had been born ten years earlier, you know he plays three hundred because he got into an era when the when you know Shane Crawford, who's just one of the all-time legends, and Crawford reinvented the way that everyone was looking for these real athlete types yeah, yeah. who could play footy. So you had Crawford and you had Ben Cousins, and they were all these aerobic beasts who could run all day. And there's half, and half was really a bit like a Diesel Williams. He was a real yeah. um, pure footballer whose athleticism probably led him down towards the end. If he had played in 10 years earlier, boy, jeez, what a superstar. Mm. And if I had played in today's era, <laughs> I had silky skills, <laughs> unbelievable speed, and totally petrified. I would have played 200. <laughs> Just put you on the wing. Apologies to all our listeners on the podcast. We've developed a loyal following. And, and to the people that have heard the Daniel Hartford story where uh, Big Fella <laughs> I, tagged him I, four times. I don't think I've uh, told it. It's at least the third time. I've told you boys off air, I reckon. I don't think I've told it on here. <laughs> Richard, Richard, I was sitting around today trying to, uh, trying to find some dirt on you, to be honest. And I got in touch with that oh. boxer. I know you've done a bit of work with him. And I said, surely got something on Richo. And he goes, oh, uh, apart from the fact he uses a whole container of makeup on his head, he said, I haven't got <laughs> a much for you. Richo, he said, I, I, he said, I've heard he said, the same. I did go, he said, but I did go to uni with him. And I said, oh, was he a good yeah. student? He goes, I don't know. I never fucking went. It is 100% true. In fact, uh, I, well, after, oh, allow me to go on. Um, after I had captured the heart of the nation, 57 steps to liberate a nation, um, <laughs> I then decided to give up work and go back to full-time study. So I went to uh, a Bachelor of Applied Science in Sports Coaching, which David Parkin started up. Oh, awesome. And in the first year, Parko said, oh, what I want to do is I want to develop all these high-performance coaches. You know, the way I started going into David Parkin talk high-performance coaches and people who are really good at the sport, but then we can develop them to be coaches or, or you know, managers and the like. So he developed this great course, and then he picked footballers. So he had um, Nick Holland, David Schwartz were the two yep. AFL boys, cricket, Brad Hodge. Hodge. Brad Hodge. Brad Hodge and Davinal Watmore as a older, as a mature age student, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. And I was the athletic guy. And so therefore I went to uni with Hodgie, if you don't mind. He's a bloody champ, isn't he, Hodgie? Now, get back, get back to the makeup story, Richo, because uh, a few of your little racing.com counterparts, they say exactly the same thing. You, you do like the makeup. Well, you know, um, it's interesting you ask me about that, Matt, because you do notice that I am the thinking woman's pin-up boy, and that comes with great time and effort. I've got, got a lot of dome to cover, my friend, and uh, these beautiful looks don't just come willy-nilly. I need to make sure I spend the extra hours in there, and that pays off big time later on when I'm on the show and uh, put the pearly whites out. And, uh, Plus, also, I'm surrounded by a whole lot of bloody, uh, bloody mungers, so I'm looking amazing about it then. 
<laughs> I know you're a very uh, happily married man, uh, happily married oh. to a beautiful Kate, who was a distance runner. So well, she, I, she I, was I, actually I don't good. Want to, she went to, she went to two Olympic Games and won a Commonwealth gold medal. Yes, and, huge. Uh, gold medal. Yeah, which is... Look, yeah, that's right. I don't want to... I mean, to steal a line from Richard Callender, we've been happily married for 10 years, which isn't bad out of 20. <laughs> 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 or, or happily married, I'm married, she's happy. Yes. Uh, so 5,000 metre runner, 5,000 metre runner meets uh, 120 or 113, 112.5 sprinter. Right, that was as a 200 metre runner, please. Chuck. It, it, didn't, it didn't go that well in the 400 against Michael Johnson. And I, I don't want to get personal about the bedroom and stuff because you just... Yeah. yeah but a 5,000 metre runner, probably more of the slow twitch fibres. Correct. And yes. yourself, yourself more of the fast twitch fighters. <laughs> Correct. So is there sort of any negotiation that goes on to sort of uh, where I'm leading with this, Richo, is I know you've tried uh, <laughs> three daughters. Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. Um, everything that I do uh, is with speed. And, with <laughs> and 57 steps still. <laughs> and, three uh, no, three daughters. Actually, yeah. Last week, sorry, Richo, we, where I'm going with this, um, yeah. we mentioned some of the big, the big names. This is like a on. Michael Holding-like run-up, isn't it? <laughs> it is. L- last week, I think we had our biggest guest, in my opinion, and one of the greatest uh, men in, that I've ever met in sport. Uh, Andrew Gaze was our guest last oh. week. Now he gave us a very interesting well, how did I get this? <laughs> <laughs> You've been brilliant, mate. But we uh, we discussed with him about the fact that athletes have daughters. Fit yeah. elite athletes have daughters. You've had three. I yep. had two. Tim Ludeman's <laughs> had one. Uh, and you know the big fella pumped out his first two. You know what they were, don't you? Boys. Boys, of course. So, just again, it lines up with the theory that uh, elite athletes have girls. You blow that out of water, Chuck. That's why Justin Langer has four girls. Say no more. Say no more. Matthew Hayden, three girls. (laughs) And Daisy rolled off about four basketballers. I'm going to ask. James Crawford, three daughters. Went back because he wanted, he desperately wanted a boy. He went back and he had twin girls and finished with five girls. So, <laughs> oh. so did Gazy take you through the methodology of how he got a yes. boy? Yes, yes, that's unbelievable. Yes, did you try and ice up at all? Yeah, and no, I did. I tried all that. Can I went down the ice bath route. I want to so know to then, what did Greg Ritchie, he's been on our show too, what's he had? What's he uh, signed? He's had a lot boys. of boys. Seventeen <laughs> boys. <laughs> Me and Hughes, three boys. <laughs> there is yeah, a common theme here. Uh, that's not true. Merv's got, a, Merv's got a lovely daughter, in fact. I'm only joking, big fella. He'll be listening. He listens to all the podcasts now. Since we had Merv Has he on, been on this show? Game, yeah, Merv's been, been on, on, mate. Of course he is. Uh, since we had so, Merv hang on. on are we getting close to our... I'm, I'm, I'm going to wear it as like a badge of honour. In fact, I'm going to get a tough sticker on my arm. Uh, hashtag 19, because <laughs> I was number 19. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, COVID-19, 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 Richo-19. 
you've got a you've got a who's who. Now be honest, be really honest between between us as mates. Yeah. I'm sort of I'm the lane one. Who's the lane eight <laughs> of the group? Oh, without doubt, without doubt, our first guest, Ludi. I reckon who was it? Oh, can't it? Caddy Sayers. Caddy Sayers. Caddy Sayers. Who? Who? Caddy Sayers. I reckon he did start. He ran a forty-four point two. Oh, he's got the Australian record. Has he smart? Huh? Oh, <laughs> oh, no. I love it. If you so, it's at the moment. Chad, I'm lane one. Chad. Chadwick Sayers is in lane eight at the moment. Yep. And probably I reckon you've got to get half in, at least I'll get to lane two then. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not listening this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Boys, I think it's time for the sponsor, big fellow. I think we, we said we're gonna have Richo on. Yeah. Thirty minutes. Nah, this bloke, oh. he's a freak. Absolute freak show. And uh, what are you driving at the moment, Richo? What car? Oh, mate, I'm just, uh, well, I'm available for any sort of car. <laughs> <laughs> Due to COVID, I was a great ambassador for Food Tree Gully Nissan for a long time, and then uh, they rang me up and said, hey, champ, uh, times are tough. So <laughs> give us your car back. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> so I lost the car, and now I have to go and buy a little V-dub that the girls are learning how to drive in. So <laughs> I love it. So well, Nissan. I'm on job job keeper. I'm fucking just down in my down. <laughs> How much am I getting paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, Clinton Bolsh, mate, Warnable Nissan and the all new Nissan Warrior. You would look good, I reckon, in the big black oh. beast beast mode. Uh, it's a turbo, two point six liter. Absolutely magnificent, and he does sensational deals for all our podcast uh, guests. Yeah. So, oh, what? So, Warnie bought one, did he? Actually, Warnie was close. Very close. (laughs) (laughs) He literally, Richo, he actually asked for one for his daughter. I'm not joking. (laughs) And got a little bit shitty when Clinton didn't deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Bolsey, quote unquote, said, I reckon I'm going to sell Warnie a car over the journey. (laughs) Oh, God, mate. I tell you, I, reckon, I know he, mate, you know that, I mean, Chuck's, Chuck's got, um, you know, massive influence because he's one of his best mates, but how you cannot love Shane Keith Warren is beyond me. He <laughs> is the quintessential Aussie. <laughs> Anytime he sort of, you know, mucks up a little bit, ah, well, you know, he just, he just has that little glint and people go, Oh, we still love you, Warnie. We bloody love you. <laughs> oh, he's just the best, mate. He's he is a superstar. Houdini. Yeah, Houdini. Oh, I think it was the hardest thing I had to do at, at work was uh, we had a new marketing, a new CEO that came in that wanted to get, make Oakley all corporate. And they said, mate, this is, you know, it's all about image with young kids and blah, 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 blah. And when, when Shane Warne's got to go. Oh, you've got to go and deliver the news. I had to sit down with the great SK Warren and say, mate, you know, we were paying you a truckload and I was giving you a buddy thousand and one pair of glasses, thousand for you and one for Chuck each and every year. (laughs) Mate, things are going to come to an end. And, you know, class with a capital C, he goes, mate, totally get it, mate, totally understand. You know what? 
I'll still wear them, mate. I don't need, you know, don't worry about the money. You know, if you can throw me a couple of pairs of glasses, she'll be sweet. Oh, how think, good is that? What a champion, fella. That's unreal, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah. Now, listen, this yeah. is 10 with Chuck, okay? All thanks to the Nissan Warrior, Richo. Uh, this is oh, where he kind of, he throws things at you, mate, uh, from left field. You just got to kind of, you know, just... Bat them away. Yeah, bat them away, exactly. Exactly. Right. Quick, quick short answers, Richo. You've been sensational, and I knew you would be, but these are sort of just 10 quickies. Uh, sure, sure. Just a quick answer. And hopefully I can try and trip you up on a couple of them. Nothing too personal, but some, some that out of your career and craft. I'll start with a very easy one. And you've come on tonight. Uh, before you came on, you were in the stall gift meeting. Mm. Now that you've retired uh, from elite sport, what do you think's a bigger piss-up? The May races in Warrnambool or the stall gift at, what was it? Stallwall. <laughs> Stay well. Good starter here, Stay Jack. well. Oh, no, War- May Warnable, you can't possibly beat it. Yeah, good oh, answer. No, there's a tick. Good answer, Richo. There's a tick for Rick McIntosh. How bloody good is the bull? Now, oh, let's see how good your research is because I know that you pride yourself in the racing game and I love mm. tuning in. I don't know racing. So I listen to Richo's tips and what's going on. Yep. And as I said, I did have a win on Humidor, Mickey Johnson's little... Uh, yeah, what a, what a great win mate that of mine. Was, we got mate. kids at school together. Great. Yeah, Junipel yeah. and Humidor. What a day. Mate, a yeah. Good day. Uh, which female... This is an answer one. Which female won the Stay Well gift in 1993? <laughs> The Staywell gift winner of 1993 was... Come on. Young Victorian girl. Who? Young Victorian. It was Sue Carr or Melissa Parks or Kim Parks or uh, Andrea Beaton. I don't remember, mate. Gee, we're like king and queen of the prom, Richo. Sure, who was it? I I thought you go to the pub and the king and the queen get together, but third time lucky, Andrea Beaton. Oh, I did get it right, Andrea Beaton. There you go. There we go. <laughs> What's uh, this, big fella? You could answer this one as well, but I'll let Richo. What? I'm not a punter. I'm just learning the craft. But what's a better <laughs> feeling? Forget about the value. Let's just say the winnings. Let's say it's a thousand bucks. But what's a better yeah. feeling? To get the quaddy or to get a first four home? Oh, quaddy, easy. Because yeah. that means you've got four races correct. Yeah, and, and it depends. It's the monetary value, I guess, isn't it, that's going to give you the buzz? Yeah, but the quaddy, uh, if I got the same amount for both, the quaddy. Yeah, quad for sure. This yeah. shows how good I am at gambling, Richo. You'll like this. You'll like very quick. Shit uh, question, like, actually, I, that one, Chuck. That was terrible. Yeah, shit well, that's because I <laughs> a shit question. That's why I don't go down the horse racing one. Uh, for a few weeks in a row, I've tuned in. I've tuned into Simon O'Donnell and uh, the boys' tags and that on SEN. Sorry oh. about that, but just a, right. and I've got the quaddy on there two weeks in a row, Richo, uh, and I'm I'm as happy as a dog with two. And I said to the missus, "I've got the quaddy." <laughs> like you know, this is unbelievable. Two weeks in a row, Richo, it actually cost me money. I'm telling you, I got I got the quaddy at Randwick and the quaddy at Flemington, and they both cost me money. I love how you said these were ten quick questions. That's a lot. Is this Andy Marr asking you these questions? Righto, smartass. Black caviar or winks? Ooh, Uh, black caviar because she was perfect. Thank you, Luke Nolan or Hugh Bowman. 
Oh, Huey Bowman, because he's got nearly 100 Group 1 winners. As much as I love uh, Trumpy and you'd love to have a beer with both of them, they're great characters, but nearly 100 Group 1 winners. One will be going straight into the Hall of Fame, and that's Huey. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. So I like that. Uh, we'll stay on the horse racing theme, and it's always hard to compare uh, eras in any sport. Damien Oliver or Roy Higgins? Uh, Ollie for mine. Um, no one's ridden more Group 1 winners in Australia than Ollie. He's sitting on 115, four over in New Zealand for 119, only seven behind the great George Moore. But George Moore only 104 in Australia and 20, 104 and 22 overseas. So Jeez. Ollie's got him in his sights. 90 Group 1 winners for Roy Higgins. Brilliant. 13 times Victorian Premiership jockey, whereas Ollie's only got 10. So Roy's got the premiership wins. Ollie's got the group one yep. wins. Ollie's won more majors, and we say majors being Caulfield Cups, Melbourne Cups, Cox Plates and Golden Slippers, more majors than any jockey in Australian history. So he delivers when it counts most. Great answer. And Bruce, Bruce McAvaney, that was a magnificent answer, I would have thought. <laughs> I, knew, I can't I believe knew. you just reeled that off, mate. That was unbelievable. I knew he would. That's why I was looking for an education. I knew that uh, uh, Ollie had won eight Scobie Breezleys, and I just thought Richo will educate me on the rest. Well, he's um, actually won 11 Scobie Breezleys. Damien <laughs> <laughs> Oliver? Yeah, he has, yeah. He might have missed won it. eight, and, and Roy Higgins had won 11 jockey premierships. Uh, uh, no, Roy's won 11 jockey premierships, correct, but uh, Ollie's just won his 11th Scobie Breezley. Uh, only came in 1996, though, so Roy didn't have a chance to win one of them. Yeah, and Chuck... Don't question, Richo, mate. Come on. That's his <laughs> job. Question. My, my research, I'm pretty poor there. Let's get off horse racing because clearly I'll be out of my depth. Uh, who have you turned to most in isolation, uh, Dan Andrews or Dan Murphy's? <laughs> oh. uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, then I'll bring, I need to bring Timmy into this. I am a highly functioning alcoholic at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you and Hutchie, I reckon. <laughs> Don't go there. Um, Steve, Steve War or Mark War? Um, if my life depended on it, if I wanted someone to bat so that I could stay alive, it'd be Stephen. If I wanted to actually pay money to walk into a ground and watch bat, it'd be Mark War. Yep, general consensus. I'll be interested in this one from you, Richo. Gary Ablett Senior or Wayne Carey? Oh, easy. Gary Ablett Senior. And I'm with you. But every guest we have on says Wayne Carey, but I'm with you, Gary Ablett Senior. Thank you. Gary, he, uh, he was unbelievable. Uh, uh, he just was a, a freak show. show. Yep, definitely. Who's oh, a better bloke, yeah. Hamish McLaughlin or Gil McLaughlin? Oh, careful, <laughs> careful here, because they'll be tuning in too, Richard. <laughs> um, I no, no, don't think I'm being a coward here. Oh, I, come on, come man. on man. I don't really know. I don't really know Gil, and I'm great mates with Hame because I work with him. So Hame, I've met yep. Gil five or six times. So it's, it's inappropriate for well, me. What about the mullet he's rocking at the moment, Gil? Here's the locks. Hey, half his bloody luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running the Benny Dunk at the moment. It's a disaster. <laughs> I know quick you're ones to finish because 10, 10 quick with Chuck has taken four hours and 12 minutes, so it's a new record. <laughs> um, G- 
given your knowledge is so good of horse racing, just repeat the five people that you beat in the 1993 stall <laughs> gift running off seven and a half in 11.94. I hope I've got that right. We know Dean well, Catlibianco yeah. is off scratch. Give me the other four losers. I'm glad that you brought up the 11.94 because, look, it's the fourth fastest in history and it's only been going 150 years. So once we get a bigger sample group, we'll see if that's impressive. Um, <laughs> fourth fastest? That is massive. Um, in second place was Mark McDowell, former Geelong West uh, footballer, spent uh, 11 years getting his handicap out to nine and a half metres until some young upstart in his first year knocked him off. The poor what, what was his name? What was his name? Mark Mark McDowell played for VFA footy for Geelong West. And seriously, great fella. Um, still tells everyone, anyone he meets and knows me, he goes, that bastard cost me a house. He backed himself for a fortune. <laughs> I went past him went, doo, doo, as we went. Uh, so he, came, he ended up coming second. I thought it was uh, Malcolm. Third. It's Mark, is it? Okay, Malcolm. Mark, Mark McDowell. Mark McDowell. Right. Mark McDowell. Third was... Joshua Cool from Ballarat, uh, Victorian 400-metre champion. Uh, no, Dean Capabianco came fourth off scratch, who's a great mate of mine. I speak to you a bit He's a chat. It's one of the funniest men. You, may, you need to add him to this uh, podcast list. He makes <laughs> you laugh. Um, Craig Ferber in fifth place, the Victorian long jump champion, coached by Bowden Babacek, who ended up becoming Bowden. a star when he coached Croft to, yes. uh, as the personal tra- personal. Uh, fitness trainer at Hawthorne, and in sixth and the biggest loser in the field, but a terrific fellow, was Tony Martin from Ballarat, who had uh, eight and three-quarter metres, and that was nowhere near enough, Tony. (laughs) 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 Imagine if Tony Martin was in that race in uh, Oregon, mate. He wouldn't have made lane one, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And just to finish off, Richo, uh, I ask everyone this uh, last question from Chuck. Who was your sporting hero as a kid and why? Oh, God. Sporting hero. Long time ago. Mm. Oh. Who was, whose poster did you have on the wall? Well, I, I was. I grew up in an era, I hate to give you a long answer, but I grew up in an era where, remember the golden era where you played bloody cricket in summer, or in my case, you played cricket and athletics in the summer and you played footy in the winter? Yeah. So therefore, I had my room separated. I loved Carl Lewis as an athlete. My absolute hero was Dennis Keith Lilly. Just yep. thought he was just the absolute bomb. Thought he was a superstar. And uh, from a football point of view, I was a Carl- Carlton supporter, and I had on my duffel coat Wayne Seven Johnston. Oh, the dominator. the dominator! What a champion he was too. Hey, Chuck, who was your? Who? who what posters did you have up in your room? Uh, as a cricketer, it was Rod Marsh because he's obviously the wicket-keeping side of things in that era of Marsh Chapel Lily. And I was a bit of a basketball man as a youngster, and I had Magic Johnson, a big, big life-size Magic Johnson on me wall, the floor-to-ceiling job. Oh, big so that was my two, Rod, Rod Marsh and, and uh, Magic, Irvin Magic Johnson. Ludie? Oh, I can remember coming out. I can remember the cricket. This is you're about the same era, Chuck. Coming when when yep. the World Series cricket finished, and they the team made their way back in to join the fold, and they played yep. their first Test series during World Series cricket. They discovered a tough little opener called Bruce Stumpy Laird. Yep, and beauty. it's remarkable how stupid things come to your mind. He <laughs> finally, once they come out of World Series cricket. 
they named the test team and he was one of the guys that got selected. He opened the batting. He scored 92 against the West Indians, on, I reckon, on test debut. Terrific. Fine leg, king, absolute king of the fine leg. Get in behind it because they always just see how small he was and Joel would come in and try to bounce him. Just get inside the line and just tickle down the uh, down leg side. Ninety two. Oh, I love Bruce Laird. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there, Ludie. Who'd you have on your wall, mate? Yeah, uh, I was an Ian Healy man. Chuck probably doesn't like hearing that, but I was an Ian Healy man, and I had Big Sav Rocker. <laughs> Big Sav oh, Similar oh, hair. Actually, similar yeah. hairy shoulders. You two. <laughs> Kick to the footy, actually. <laughs> actually, you were a beautiful kick of the footy, Timmy Ludum. Oh. Don't worry about that. I, uh, I had Andre Agassi. I was a bit of a tennis man back in the uh, the younger days. And remember when Agassi? Oh, that explains a few things. <laughs> remember when Agassi had the the stonewash acid jeans with the pink bike yeah. pants underneath? I used to get the kit and the headband, and uh, yeah, I was an Agassi man. He was a freaking good tennis player, Andre. Oh, Superstar. you make me laugh. Hey, can I go? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, hey, Richard. <laughs> Remember we said at the start, we'll just have you for 25 or 30 minutes. That was two hours and 15 minutes ago. Hey, Richo. <laughs> Mate, we have absolutely loved it. Seriously, you're you're a superstar, you, mate. mate. Uh, wonderful to sit back and watch you on the telly, and uh, you're just a good fella too. Like I've been lucky enough to socially um, spend a little bit of time with you, and uh, you're just a ripper, great storyteller, and uh, just good fun, and you do a great job. That is for sure, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me on. I cannot wait to hear who number 20 is. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and don't feel bad about the intro. I get called the poor man's Richo all the time. We love Matty. But, uh, God love you, boys. Great to have a chat. We'll see you for a beer at the May races next year, Richo. The four of cannot us will wait. catch up for a beer. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Yeah, great Cheers, stuff. Jack. What a good man, big Jace Richardson is that is for sure. And uh, how's that Michael Johnson story? <laughs> that was. Next and you level. know what? I reckon he cut it short, boys, as well. He gave he given us the short version because he would have gone through every lane. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it out there. We've had some pretty good stories on this podcast, but I think that might be number one. <laughs> so I'm with you, mate. I am absolutely with you. What about uh, what about Big hey, MJ when he just looked there? He said. Hey, what boy? Marathons on Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Indiana Nasky. Hey, what about uh, Novak Djokovic, boys? I want to talk about it. What are your thoughts? Have you seen it? Have you seen the footage? Yeah. um, I reckon severely the punishment just didn't match the crime. He's very unlucky. Um, Nothing in it. Just uh, the poor unfortunate lady caught one of the gob. Bad luck. Come on, Sarks. We're in lockdown, mate, so look, we haven't got TV here in Mount Eliza at the moment in stage four, so uh, I, read about no power. It in the newspaper. I read about it in the newspaper, and probably, look, it was a bad look, but I agree with Lubes. I think it might have been a little bit over the top. When I read the article, okay, and started seeing the, uh, you know, the vitriol on Twitter and that towards him, I thought, oh, geez, what's he done? He's obviously hit the no, ball straight at the person. When you actually watch it, like he's he, yeah. he had no intentions at all to you know like and and you could see the shock when it actually did hit her, uh you know like he he, he was legitimately you know dumbfounded yeah, by it wasn't yeah, you know yeah. like I just yeah yeah I, I just I can't believe that uh, the unload that uh, that kind of happened on him uh, after it. What about uh, talking about Twitter? Um, our man Ludi uh, <laughs> give himself a semi kind Self-band. of uh, a semi ban on Sunday, wasn't it when the Saints were playing? 
Yeah, I reckon during lockdown, uh, what have we been going 19 weeks now, this podcast, I reckon Chuck probably should have put his phone in lockdown as well. But anyway, it <laughs> hasn't, hasn't happened. <laughs> I've, I've taken your I've advice, got... boys. See, I took your advice last week. You told me too much, and I said, yep, I'm going to a band. But then at three-quarter time, when the decoy came out of action, uh, old Swampy Marsh there, I couldn't resist, but then I went back into lockdown just until the Saints came marching in. And looks Big like fella, you're going to play one for you. Yes, yes. I've got, I got one I want to throw at you. Week, about week three of this podcast, we were talking about the Tiger King and Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Yes. That was 16 weeks ago. That was lockdown one. What's happened in lockdown two? What's become the new favourite, the new in theme at the moment? What's, what's lockdown two brought us? On Netflix... Yep. Oh, on anything. I've got one. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, I watched, I can't remember what the name of it is now. It was, um, I think I might have mentioned it to you blokes. It was It was bordering on porn. Um, an overseas kind of... <laughs> Keep uh, that to yourself. Drug, this is a family show. Dr- yeah, drug mafia kind of uh, show. And, and, and I did get into that, I must admit, uh, just because everyone was talking about it, but... No, nah, do, do you know what I haven't? I, I think I've nearly I'm nearly up to date with everything show wise. I, I never watch TV, Ludes. I, I'm the the only thing I watch on TV is sport. I am such non a TV man, but the uh, the lovely Kath has convinced me to sit down and watch a couple of shows. Uh, I've watched Ozark, and I'm going to give yeah, that a good big show. tick. Yeah, very big tick. Yeah. But I'm half actually three quarters of the way through now, and I don't know if you two have seen this. You might be talking about the same thing as me, big fella. But, Ludie, do yourself a favour. Peaky Blinders. Oh, great show, mate. One oh, of the man. best shows ever. Ludes? No, I haven't. I will write that one down. No, no Ludie. Peaky Blinders, do mate. You... Thomas Shelby. Yeah, do yourself a favour, Ludes. Go and watch an episode tonight. You'll get hooked. You'll love it. Fantastic yeah, show. Right, eh? well, the, what I've been watching, just so you know, is Suits. I know it's a bit old school. And oh, when Megan I first Markle. Saw Prince... Prince Harry, go with Meghan Markle. I said, what are you doing? She's not that good. And watching her in that, she's unbelievable. <laughs> really? Oh, I don't know about that. I reckon she's a bit overrated, old Megs. She's torn that poor old uh, royal family apart, too, which is shattering. She has. She has, yeah. Poor old Harry. He's just, uh, he's just being led at the moment. But uh, he might wake up at some point in time, boys. I would imagine. Right, I put it on my last one. You guys have asked questions. Yes. Uh, tell me tell me your premiership winner and your Brownlow medalist, please, right now. And we'll put it in the vault and we'll bring it out uh, October 25 after the grand final. Premiership winner, please, big fella. Uh, well, I've got to go with the Tigers. Um, Thought you might. I think Geelong are, Geelong are the faves. I, I really reckon they're, they're just travelling on beautifully. I, I think... The, the real question mark's going to come, are they going to play Gaz? Gaz could come in and upset what they've got going on at the moment. I reckon they've got a big decision to make the Cats. And, and um, to be honest, I just don't know whether I'd be whacking him back in. Really? Yeah, that's just my Ooh. feel. That is my feel. I know you call the footy on K-Rock, and he's like the mm. god down there, which he deserves to be. But he just he hasn't played a lot of footy, and he just he, he just slows them down a little bit, I reckon. And Jeez, he was good early, though. I, I look. I, that's just my my take. I, I, I just, I just reckon it might upset the the team balance because I reckon they got a good thing going on. Gary Rowan's playing the best football of his career, um, and I just think their forward line's functioning pretty good. Um, you know, where do they sit, Big Gas? Because he hasn't got a lot of defensive parts to his game. 
respect your opinion, big fella, but totally disagree with it. If Gary Ablett's available, <laughs> he will play. Yeah, uh, and uh, Gary Gary Rowan, he's a flash in the pan. He's in one week and now up for three. Uh, he's been good the last few weeks, but Gary Ablett will come back in. So, hang on, you're going Richmond for the flag. Who's winning the Brownlow? Oh, Lockie Neal's got to win the Brownlow, doesn't he? Shortest price favourite for years. I know. I'm just writing them down. Uh, Ludie, Premiership and Brownlow. Uh, I'm Geelong. I'm Geelong supporter, but I think they'll win. Um, Brownlow, I'm going to go Travis Boak, little roughy, but he's playing Ooh. bloody good football. He's playing good footy at the moment, Bokey. Right, I sucks. Yeah. Oh, well, just for a point of difference, uh, I think you two, are the Cats and the Tigers. So just to, for a point of difference, I'll go Port Adelaide for Kenny Hinckley. I'd love Kenny Hinckley to to jump in there with Port. So I'm going to go Port Adelaide, and uh, I'm going to go a real roughy just because I reckon he's had a great season. And with just a fraction of bias uh, thrown into it, uh, paying thirty one dollars, I've just had a little ten dollars on Jack Steele. Yeah, right, eh? Saints man. Ooh, Love it. I'll hey. go different. Port, Port Adelaide and Jack Steele. I've written down our answer. Oh, that's in the vault. The pin. Uh, Lockie, Neil, too, will be a chance to get him on, boys, once the season finishes. Um, so if he does win a brand, it'll all bode well for us, I reckon. That'd be great if we could get him. Yeah, no, I've got a mate that's very uh, good friends with him that lives here in the Bull. So uh, that is a lock, that is for sure. And uh, what also is a lock is uh, our going out song. Um, and, and I was really, uh, I, was, I was quite excited actually last week, Chuck, when you told me that uh, the Vicks used to Neil play Diamond. this song. You may as well put on the American Pie, Stewie, and drag it out for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this is our song now going out. I love it. We've broken a record tonight, boys. Our longest show ever, but it was a good one. Nah, it was a cracker. Great stuff, boys. What a beautiful noise. Come on, Chuck. Coming up from the street. Oh, I love it. Got a beautiful sound. It's got a beautiful, got a beautiful beat. beat. It's a beautiful noise going on everywhere. Like the clickety clack of, of a train on a track. track. It's got rhythm to spare. It's a beautiful noise. Sound that I love. I love. And it fits me as well. Get ready, Ludes. As I hand in a glove. Like a nick in the glove. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Just need a bit of ukulele. <laughs> Where's Beautiful River? noise. Coming up from the park. It's the song of the kids. And it plays until dark. It's the song of the cars On their furious flights But there's even romance In the way that they dance To the beat of the lights It's a beautiful noise And it's a sound that I love